when you really wanted revenge? It's a fun way to start church, right? (laughs) Fourth grade, Halloween. I went trick-or-treating with my brother, probably some neighbors. I don't really remember my parents. I uh, I think I was Eric Davis that year, center fielder for the Cincinnati Reds, my favorite baseball player. I have no connection to Ohio. I have no idea why I liked him. Um, But we went out that night, and it it was a good night. We had uh, neighbors that were feeling extra generous and just give the little mini candy bars. Like, we got a lot of full-size candies. It was awesome. The best house, though was one, and I still, like when I drive through my parents' neighborhood, I see that house and I smile. They, they had a bucket of change, and you got to stick your hand in, and everything you came out with was yours. And I was just willing my hand to be bigger than it was and stronger than it was. And I'm four years older than my brother, so he got way less than I did. I just came out, I don't remember how much, but it just felt like victory. Um... And that house never did that again. Um, so anyway, we, we, it was a great night. We got home. We, we poured our candy out on the floor and, and took inventory of, of our score. And, uh, and I went to bed satisfied, probably a little sick too. Probably had too much candy, but man, it was a good night. And we woke up the next morning, and I'm excited to see my friends at school and, and tell them about the candy I got and the house with the money and all that stuff. And I'm walking to school, and, and, and I'm out in the street, and I see, like, pumpkin flesh, right? Pumpkin innards. And I'm like, man, that's weird. What is that? Because I'd, I'd never heard of smashing pumpkins at this point. I didn't know anyone would ever do that to a pumpkin. Um, <laughs> so I, I'm looking, I'm like, that's so strange. And then I look at my front porch, and our pumpkins are gone. Well, they're not gone. They're in front of me in the road. And I was so mad. Like, I was so ticked off. I went to school, and I was just fuming. I'm telling my friends. And they're like, oh, yeah, that's Smashing Pumpkins. I'm like, what? This is a total injustice. Like, I carved that pumpkin. Anyway, I was mad all day long. And I I was trying to figure out who would do this in my neighborhood Right? And what I was going to do to them when I found out. Well, God is good. He did not let me find out who did that to my pumpkins. Um, and I, I might have done something really stupid and, and over the top, right? Like, they smashed my pumpkins. I wanted to smash them. Like, I was just I was a ticked off little fourth grader. Um, but if you have kids, like, or if you've even watched kids, like, you know, that's, that's not a crazy thing, right? Two kids are playing, and... One kid takes the other kid's truck, and that kid takes his truck back, and that's not enough. He hits him on the head, right? Or, or we can laugh like it's just a kid thing, but we know, we know adults that do this too. Like maybe, maybe you've known uh, a couple that's been through a divorce that just got nasty, and they just try and out-hurt each other. I mean, this is, this is what we do. And God knows that there were people that um, we go for revenge oftentimes. We're back in Exodus 21 today. Um, God didn't want his people to live this way, the the way that all the other nations lived. He was shaping his people, and they were going to to be different. They were going to live lives that were different than, than the other nations. He was transforming 
his people to reflect himself, to look like him. So our passage today is uh, Exodus 21, uh, verses 12, uh, all the way through the end of the chapter. Um, the first section, 12 through, through 17 here, there, there are four crimes that, uh, that require the, the death penalty. So verse 12 says, Whoever strikes a man so that he dies shall be put to death. But he, if he did not lie in wait for him, but God let him fall into his hand, then I will appoint for you a place to which he may flee. But if a man willfully attacks another to kill him by cunning, you shall take him from my altar that he may die. Verse 15, whoever strikes his father or his mother shall be put to death. Whoever steals a man and sells him and anyone found in possession of him shall be put to death. Whoever curses his father or his mother shall be put to death. So, so four crimes, murder, striking your parents, kidnapping, cursing your parents. The murder one is, is no surprise to us, that you murder, then, then death is coming. Genesis 9, 6, it says, Whoever sheds the blood of man, by man shall his blood be shed. For God made man in his own image. So murder is, is an affront because people are made in the image of God. We're made to, to reflect the image of God. So God says, if you murder someone, your life is required of you. Verse 13 is a, is a caveat. If, the, if, it, if it wasn't premeditated, if it was an accident, if it was unintentional, then it says that this is something that, that God let happen. Um, and, and if that's the case, then there will be uh, a place where this, this person can flee for, for their own safety. So God would set up uh, a city of refuge where a person who, who accidentally killed someone could flee and be safe, right? Because it, so back in the day, if, if my brother was murdered, then it'd be on me to go avenge for my brother, right? I would go, and I'd hunt this guy down and take his life like he took my brother's life. But, but God said, no, if, if it was not, if it was unintentional, if it was not premeditated, I'm going to set up a safe place for this person to go. Jewish tradition um, said that if, if someone was in the tabernacle touching the horns of the altar, that, that, that they, they were safe, right? It, it, almost like uh, back to when you were a kid and, and you're playing tag, this is like base, right? Nothing bad can happen to you at base, Okay, so uh, God says, no, if they murdered, they're not safe there. Get them off of the altar, and they're going to pay with their life. This is hard. This is heavy. Think about crimes that, that pay with death. Verse 16, if you kidnap and sell that person, death, maybe that's not a huge surprise to us that God would say that, but this is, this is not how God's people were to live. They were, they were to treat image bearers rightly. Verses 15 and 17, there's death for the child that strikes mom or dad, or death for the child that's, that's cursing mom or dad. So how highly did God view parents? Well, this, this takes us back to the commandment, honor your mother and your father. It's probably not a surprise that the father was supposed to be honored. In a patriarchal society, um, if, a, if a kid talked back to dad, if a kid struck dad, that didn't fly. But it was a surprise that the mom would be elevated to that same spot. That God would say, no, you're, you're going to honor mom just as much as dad. You're going to respect her as well. And I guarantee you that the other nations were not like this. Like, this was different. God was shaping his people 
to be very, very different. Verses 18 through 32 are, are, are cases that, that involve assault and bodily injury. So in verse 18, it says, When men quarrel, and one strikes the other with a stone or with his fist, and the man does not die but takes to his bed, then if the man rises again and walks outdoors with his staff, he who struck him shall be clear. Only he shall pay for the loss of his time, and he shall have him thoroughly healed. So two guys get in a fight. Maybe, maybe one guy punches him, or he grabs a rock, it says, and he hits him. And, and, and the other's injured, bad enough to be bedridden. But after a few days, he gets up. He's able, he's able to make his way around with a staff. Um, the, the guy that hit him, he's not paid back the same way. Right? The guy doesn't just get to pick up a rock and hit him until he has to be bedridden for a few days. The guy does have to compensate him. He was in bed for a few days, so he's, he's got to compensate him for his lost wages. He's got to make sure he's healed up, maybe, maybe pays a, a doctor's fee um, to get this man right. So if you cause an injury, God says, you will make this right. You're going to appropriately compensate the person that you, that you hurt. So today, if, if you're in a fender bender, not, not a big one, just, just enough maybe to mess up the bumper, what do you do to make it right? Well, you, you tell the person, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fix that bumper for you. Like, I'm going to go, I'm going to pay whatever it costs to, to repair this for you. Right? Like, this is, this is what God's people do. Like, we, we do what, it, what is right. We, we, we appropriately compensate. Verse 20 says, when a man strikes his slave, male or female, with a rod, and the slave dies under his hand, he shall be avenged. But if the slave survives a day or two, he's not to be avenged, for a slave is his money. So, so if, if he kills a slave, he's going to pay for that. Right? And it doesn't get specific with, with what, he, what he's going to pay for that. We don't know if it's his life or not. But a master couldn't just go beating his slave to death. Right? And this is, again, this is radically different than, than how slaves were treated. Radically different that, that an owner couldn't just beat a slave when he wanted to. To tell a master that, that he couldn't beat his slave, their property, that's crazy. And if the slave didn't die, but was just injured and was able to recover in a couple days, there's, there wasn't further punishment. The punishment was that the, the person you paid to work for you could not work for you. Your pocketbook was hit, and that was sufficient. Verse 22 says, When men strive together and hit a pregnant woman so that her children come out, but there is no harm, the one who hit her shall surely be fined, as the woman's husband shall impose on him, and he shall pay as the judge determines. Every time I read this, I know this isn't how it is, but, but I picture like a bar. There's like a jukebox going, country westerns playing. There's smoke filling the room, billiards maybe, two guys go at it, and here's the pregnant wife. It's not how it happened, but that's what I picture every time. But there's a fight. There's a fight that happens, right? And, and maybe the woman comes over, the wife comes over to break up the fight. And it says that she gets hit on accident. And, and that causes a, a, a premature birth. But mom and baby are okay. This is an accident and, 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 and everyone is, is fine. Um, well, then the husband gets to decide what the offender pays as long as, as long as the courts agree that it's not outrageous. Verse 23, but... If there is harm, then you shall pay life for life, eye for eye, 
tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot, burn for burn, wound for wound, stripe for stripe. So, so if, if there is a serious injury, God says you're, you're going to pay, right? This is lex talionis, the, the law of retribution. Um, the, the punishment has to fit the crime. So God's defining justice, and, and, he's, and he's restraining his people from, from revenge. Uh, Leviticus 19.18, I think we have that up there. Um, it says, you shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against the sons of your own people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. So God, God is shaping them to do what's right according to his standards. It says, you take out someone's eye, you're losing your eye. You, you take out their tooth, you're, you're losing your tooth. So, uh, Lex Talionis, I'm, uh, I was probably, I'm going to say I was a middle schooler. My brother and I, again, he's four years younger than me. Uh, we're down at uh, playing in Dead Man's Creek, which I'm sure it probably wasn't named that. But as a kid, I really thought that was the name. But there's no way you name a creek Dead Man's Creek. So we're playing in Dead Man's Creek. Actually, we're above the creek. We're on a log. And um, my brother, I don't remember exactly what he did, but I'm sure it was stupid. And I fell off the log because of it. It's very clear that it was his fault, right? This isn't just big brother talk. It was his fault. So I'm ticked off. Right? It's not the summer. It is cold outside, and I am wet up to, like, here. Okay? Um, and my brother, again, he's four years younger, though I didn't, like, I'd never physically harmed my brother. And you, next time he comes to church and visits, you can ask him. Like, I was a fairly nice big brother because I was so much bigger, so much older. I'm like, ah, I'm not going to hit you. This isn't right. But I was mad that day, right? So I'm ticked off, and he could see it. And he, he just goes, just tell me what to do. <laughs> you just, Greg, tell me what to do, right? And I don't know what's going on in his head. And I sat there, and I thought about it, and I said, Lex Talionis. Just kidding, I didn't know that back then. No, I said, my underwear is wet, your underwear is going to be wet. And he just dipped down. <laughs> It was awesome. <laughs> Being a big brother is kind of fun sometimes. But, but God, God's, God's shaping his people. You're not going to take revenge. You're not going to go above and beyond what you want to do. I'm a God of justice. I'm going to shape you to act justly like me. You're, you're going to reflect. You're going to point to a God that is just, a God that is fair, a God that holds people accountable. Exodus twenty one twenty six says, When a man strikes the eye of his slave, male or female, and destroys it, he shall let the slave go free because of his eye. If he knocks out the tooth of his slave, male or female, he shall let the slave go free because of his tooth. So, so this, this slave owner is held liable for, for what is done to the slave, for how the slave is treated. Not, not like the slaves of the other nations, not even like Israel used to treat its slaves. God's saying, you're, you're going to do it this way. Right? And, and, and I think when you read that, yeah, that's really fair. Like the, 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 he would have to let them go for knocking out their tooth. Man, if I was a slave, I would figure out a way to knock out my own tooth, have that in my mouth, and somehow get a sucker punch coming, right? Look what you do. Ooh, that was loud, sorry. Look what you did to me, 
right? But God says, no, you're not going to treat them like, like the rest of the world treats them. You're going, you're going to be just. The next verses are, are, are about property, really. Verse 28. When an ox gores a man or a woman to death, the ox shall be stoned, and its flesh shall not be eaten, but the owner of the ox shall not be liable. But if the ox has been accustomed to gore in the past, and its owner has been warned, but has not kept it in, and it kills a man or a woman, the ox shall be stoned, and its owner shall also be put to death. If a ransom is imposed on him, then he shall give for the redemption of his life whatever is imposed on him. If it gores a man's son or daughter, he shall be dealt with according to this same rule. If the ox gores a slave, male or female, the owner shall give to their master 30 shekels of silver, and the ox shall be stoned. When a man opens a pit, or when a man digs a pit and does not cover it, and an ox or a donkey falls into it, the owner of the pit shall make restoration. He shall give money to its owner, and the dead beast shall be his. When one man's ox butts another so that it dies, then they shall sell the live ox and share its price, and the dead beast also they shall share. Or if it is known that the ox has been accustomed to gore in the past, and its owner has not kept it in, he shall repay ox for ox, and the dead beast shall be his. Even though none of us have an ox, I'm pretty sure, we get it. Right? This makes sense. Like we need to be responsible. We are responsible for our actions, whether it's negligence or murder or knocking out a tooth. Like we, we stand before God. We're responsible. Even if no one else sees, God sees everything. He knows. He knows how you've cheated someone. He knows how I've misrepresented something. God holds us responsible for how we live, how we treat others, how our business transactions go down, whatever it may be. In Matthew 5, Jesus references this passage. And like Jesus does over and over again, he says, uh, he says things that the readers are, or that the hearers are not expecting. We're the readers. Matthew 5, 38 um, through 42. Jesus says, You have heard it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. And we'll just pause right there. So when it says, do not resist the one who is evil, that doesn't mean don't resist the devil or let evil reign. It's, it's talking about the person that's doing this thing. That's the evil that they're talking about. So 39, but I say to you, do not, do not resist the one who is evil. But if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if anyone would sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, Go with him two miles. Give to the one who begs from you, and do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. And it goes on to say, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. What God told the Hebrews in Exodus 21 was, was radically different. God was, God was getting his people to act and live w- w- with justice, to reflect, to look like the God who is perfectly just. They weren't to seek revenge. And now Jesus is telling them that his disciples, when they're slapped on the cheek, then they give up the other cheek. That his followers were not only to love their neighbors, but but love their enemies. And Jesus isn't saying, hey, don't call the police when someone robs you, 
right? He, he's, not, he's not saying don't, don't stick up for, for your own safety, for, for what is right. But Jesus is instructing his disciples to act with mercy and love. So how are we to live in relationships? We, we need to be quick to show mercy. We need to consider the needs of the person that we're not interacting with, even if they aren't a friend. This means winning isn't the most important thing in negotiating or in a number of other things. Jesus wants us to live like a person that is from the kingdom of God. So I ask you, do you love mercy? Like, do you long, do you look for opportunities to demonstrate the mercy of God to the people that you're with, whether you know them or not, whether, you, whether you're friends with them or family with them? But then there's the question, where, where is justice in mercy? Because none of, none of what Jesus said sounds like justice, that someone should just be able to slap someone else in the cheek. Because God was shaping his people to be just like him. And we all like justice to some degree. We like hearing the news story where justice is served. I think of the Eagle Creek fire, right? Um, some people felt for that kid. Felt like he made a stupid mistake and they felt bad. It seemed like most people that I either talked to or saw on social media wanted justice. And I don't even know what justice looks like for that kid. He's got to plant a million trees or, or go fight fires every summer for like 20 years. Um, but, but there's something in, in, in all of us that long for, for justice. And why? It's because God is just. We, we long for it because God is the God of justice. Does anybody like playoff baseball at all? Two people? Three? <laughs> Sweet. I don't like baseball during the regular season, but during playoffs, it's awesome. And I love that baseball finally has instant replay, right? Because, I, like, I don't have a team anymore. I, I really I don't care. I just want to see a good game. But, man, I want the call to be right. And, and I love it when they stop and look, and, and that guy was out. He, he should not be on base, or that run should not have counted. And that, that reflects back to, and this might seem silly, but that reflects back to God, because God is just, right? Like, we long for that even, because we're made in the image of a God who is, who is just. One thing that ticks me off, just really irks me, is when I'm driving down the freeway and some punk comes flying by, right, weaving in and out of traffic. They're probably going like 90 or 100. And I so badly, I don't know if I pray for a cop to be there, but I want one there really bad, right? And, and then I realize a cop's not going to come. There's no offense to all of the fine officers in our church. Um, so then, since I know the cop's not going to be there, there's a silly, like, millisecond where I want to go all vigilante and, like, zoom down the freeway and somehow convince that guy to pull over, right, and get him out of the car and make a citizen's arrest, like, take a selfie and wait for the cops to get there. Obviously, I've never done that. Um, but I want justice. We, we want, like we long, we long for justice. Justice is what is right. It's what is good. One time I was driving down the freeway and a guy flies by and my intensity level is just skyrocketing. And then seconds later, the lights flip on. I'm like, yes! Seriously, said yes out loud. 
held onto the steering wheel. And the cop pulled him over after not too long. And I so badly just want to pull over and just watch the ticket. Like, watch the ticket get written. Because it is just that that guy gets a ticket, right? Like, we want justice. We long for justice until we're the one that's pulled over. And then when I get pulled over, maybe I want the cop to look at me like really disappointed, pretty mean, make me feel bad for a long time, and then give me a warning. That's, <laughs> that's what we want, right? We want justice when it's someone else, but when it's ourselves, we want mercy. So how can Jesus say, turn the other cheek? In, in Matthew five seventeen, he says, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. So it's because that Jesus meets the demands for, judge, for justice, right? Jesus meets those demands. Our sin deserves punishment. It's just that we'd be punished for our sin, but Jesus makes the necessary pay, payment. His death on the cross atoned for sin. He took our place. He was our substitute. So because justice is met in Jesus, mercy is available to all who would place their faith in Christ. Mercy is waiting for any person who would repent and trust in Jesus. Trust that it's by Jesus' death and his resurrection that we are saved. So when God's people turn the other cheek, we demonstrate mercy. We point to a God that has lavished us with mercy. We're to live merciful lives because we are recipients of incredible mercy. We have received grace, being justified by our faith alone in Christ alone. This Tuesday um, marks the 500th anniversary uh, of the Reformation. Um, and, and one of the clarifying truths that, that, that came out of the Reformation is uh, it's called sola fide, salvation by faith alone. We're justified by our faith alone, in Christ alone. Not, not, by, not by doing good things, not by works of the law. It's just by, by faith in Christ, it's his righteousness is, is given to our account. It's imputed to us because Jesus is the only possible satisfaction of God's perfect standard. We're justified by faith in Christ, not, not by anything we've done. The hymn, uh, Nothing But the Blood, written in 1876, there's a, a stanza that, that goes, Nothing can for sin atone, nothing but the blood of Jesus not of good that I have done, nothing but the blood of Jesus. It's not going to church one time or a thousand times. It's not, it's not getting baptized. It's not giving to charity. It's not avoiding the really bad sins. It's not memorizing giant chunks of scripture, not raising your hands in worship, not being a good friend, a good spouse, a good neighbor. Only the blood of Jesus atones for our sin. Titus 3.5 says he saved us. Not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy. By the washing of regeneration and the renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior. So that being justified, right, declared righteous, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Romans 3 uh, 23 and following, and actually 23 won't be up there, so let me, let me start in with 23. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, verse 24, and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, who 
who God put forth as a propitiation, right? Meaning that, that, that Jesus appeased the wrath of God that was due for our sin. So whom God put forth as a, uh, as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith, this was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance, he had passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Here's a quote talking about Matthew 5 and what Jesus said. He said, Human beings, as it were, slapped God in the face through their sin. And God responded with lex talionis. Not by justly slapping them back, but by bearing the retaliatory slap himself through Jesus. God's saving action in Jesus uh, satisfies retributive talionic justice once and for all by bearing in their own bodies the just penalty due to wrongdoers in order to bring in healing and reconciliation. Jesus' disciples are privileged to show forth God's gracious action towards them in Christ. In this way, Jesus' words in Matthew 5 reflect not the abolishing but the fulfillment of lex talionis, the way of life of Jesus' kingdom is quite literally marked by the refusal to seek just retribution against the wrongdoer and willingly suffer for the sake of Christ. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you. We thank you that that you are just and that you, you met the justice required for us, that you could be both just and the justifier for us. God, thank you. Thank you for salvation that is only by faith in you. It's by your grace that we're saved, God. And I thank you that we're, we're about to baptize some people that, that have recognized that they needed you to save them from sin. That there's nothing that they could do. There's no hope apart from you, Lord. God, we want to be a people that in everything we do, Lord, points to you, points to a God that is both just and merciful, a God that is waiting, waiting for people to respond to him. God, I thank you for your love. I thank you for your justice. Lord, I thank you for how good you are and that we can trust in that. It is in your name we pray. Amen.